Good morning. Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Replatform. This is episode 17. We've got an exciting um, uh, guest today. We're speaking to Akinio, who's a specialist around product information management. So this is a, a topic we haven't covered yet in the Replatform podcast, but really, really critical. And we want to really drill into the role of a PIM in replatforming, how you use it, when you need to use it, and what the, what the benefits are to e-commerce teams. So I'm joined as ever by my ebullient co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm really looking forward to, to uh, this podcast because I, I, I know a little bit about Ekinio, but not a massive amount, not as much as you do. So I'll hand over you to do the introductions and let's get cracking. Great. So um, today we're joined by James and Tim from Ekinio. Um, do you want to start by doing a bit of an introduction to yourselves and also Ekinio? Yeah, sure. So uh, firstly, thanks for having us on. I'm James Barlow. I'm the country manager for UK and Ireland at Akinio. Hi, I'm Tim Bancroft and I lead the pre-sales team here in the UK. Um, so just a brief bit around uh, the history of Akinio without getting on my soapbox for too long. Um, we're soon to be celebrating our seventh birthday. So it's great that you've already heard of us, um, uh, James. In terms of before Akinio was launched seven years ago, we were actually in the e-commerce industry uh, quite a while before that. And when I say we, that is definitely the, the royal we. I can't claim any credit for this. Um, but we were more in the guise of systems integrators. So working with organizations to build um, their e-commerce and web stores. And what we were finding is, regardless of the project, whether it was in manufacturing or building supplies, or whether it was a fashion retailer, almost every project that we were building had major issues when it came to product information, whether that was on the sales side, so crap product information, missing images, out stock items being launched, or they're putting too much of a burden on their internal teams to start to create more content for these new channels. So when we started to look at what else was out there, um, we didn't find much. Most people were using Excel or ERP, um, so we decided to, to launch PIM, um, and that was seven years ago, obviously, with the backing of our founders, uh, Fred, Benoit, Nico. And you may or may not be aware that Yoav Kutner, uh, the CTO and co-founder of Magento, also came on board as well. That makes sense. And um, there's quite a big link with Magento, isn't there? Were any of the other founders like, originally from that world? Yeah, so when I say that um, our history preceded Akinia, that we were building uh, the e-commerce stores, that was primarily in the Magento world. Um, hence our connections with Yoav. So Roy Rubin is actually uh, on our advisory yeah, board as well. Um, and right through to this day, we're still the premier tech partner for yeah. him in, in Magento. That makes sense. Um, so maybe to start off with my first question, um, can you give us a bit of an introduction to PIM and what PIM is essentially and then how it adds value to an average retailer? Or yeah. Different types of retailer maybe. Sure. So firstly, if people aren't aware, PIM stands for Product Information Management. Um, an easy analogy that I always find typically makes sense is that PIM is the CRM for your product data. So it's a relatively new concept, especially in the UK. Um, but regardless of that, analysts are predicting that by the end of next year, 50% of all organizations will be using it. So if, if you think about when you walk into any store, Tesco's or JD Sports, whatever it might be, if you look at an item on a shelf that's take a simple example of a tin of baked beans, someone in the background, either on the supplier side or on Tesco's internal team, are typing up 
normally on an Excel spreadsheet, every single attribute that makes up that tin of baked beans. So from the ingredients, the allergen information, nutritional information, shipping dimensions, the material of the tin. And that can take a huge amount of time when you start to multiply that by the millions of products that those, um, those organizations sell. So in essence, what PIM does is it brings that all under one roof, acts as the one single system of record, um, and automates a lot of that process so we can get the teams refocused on actually adding value to the product experience rather than just being data entry clerks. And I think that's an interesting point. The, the time and effort of managing product catalogs is, uh, is quite mind-boggling sometimes. And it, it's such a critical part of any replatforming is product data models, data structures, and getting clean data in. What, what I'm really interested in is from your experience working with retailers, when does it when does it uh, justify the move to a PIM? Uh, you know, what is it in terms of uh, scope of product data, product complexity that makes a PIM valuable and useful versus when actually you can live with a more simplistic approach, such as just setting it up directly into your e-commerce catalogue? That, that's a really good question and one that, um, as you can probably imagine, we get asked on a on a regular basis. Uh, our message um, is that if you sell something, you need a PIM, um, and because when when you think of PIM, if you're already aware of the topic, most people immediately associate it to the examples that I've just given. Huge organizations that are selling millions of products, potentially omni-channel or multi-channel, and having to translate that information to different languages. But if you think about a smaller retailer, they still have that complexity just on a smaller scale. So they still have to have the governance to streamline the process from getting the information from the suppliers or from their internal design team right through to getting that product information ready to go onto their sites. And even if we're looking at small, what we refer to as pure play retailers, very rarely are they only providing information to their e-commerce store. They'll also inevitably be feeding that to social media, maybe to print brochures, to their customer services teams. So it's not just about focusing on sending it to the e-commerce store. So what we'd really say is if you were selling anything, you would need to start looking at, at, at PIM. That makes sense. Um, I have a question. So on the last couple of points, you've talked a bit around kind of saving time and automating mm -hmm. aspects of uh, kind of input and product data. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the features that Akinio has that help with that? Um, good question. So in terms of the, the feature around Akinio, the the whole intention of the platform, because when we, when I mentioned at the start, when we were looking at what alternatives were out there, because most of the project we were working on were using Excel or trying to squeeze this information into the ERP, or even putting the information directly on the front end of the website. What we were finding is there were some alternatives out there. So the two of you might be familiar with mass data management systems. Yeah. What they do a great job at is bringing all of the data, not just product data, all of an organization's data under one roof. What we felt they were short-sighted on is who's actually gonna be using the platform. So typically these are very tech-heavy platforms aimed at tech people, but it's not gonna be your IT director and project managers that are gonna be enriching data. So what we wanted to go to market with is a PIM, that is there to make everyone's lives easier. So it's something that from a, an adoption point of view is as, plug in, um, as, as close to plug and play as possible. So your marketing teams, your buying and merchandisers, your e-commerce guys. So every feature we've launched 
is with the end in mind of getting that product from the supplier or wherever the point genesis is, maybe from the internal innovation teams, through to the sales channel as quickly as possible. So there's a, a myriad of different features that help that in terms of the workflow to start yeah. to distribute out that workload to the people that are best skilled to work on those certain attributes or certain assets. Um, we have a rules engine, so which works on a fairly simplistic logic of if this appears within the system or against the product data, execute this task, yeah. which worked great in terms of auto categorization or um, dealing with associations of products yeah. in upsell and cross-sell opportunities. Um, in terms of the, the translations for multinational clients, is a very simple tool to compare and translate, but also um, we have a feature called reference entities, which acts as a repository for all recurring data within a system. Yeah. Um, every feature we have is all around productivity and speeding up. So. Yeah, that makes sense. I think they're really good examples. Um, that makes sense. I think one more on that is just generally the UI, the way that we've designed it is is with the end users in mind. You know, thinking about what would be intuitive to them, what would simplify their lives, and you know try and reduce the amount of like training they need in order to complete these tasks one of the hardest things to do is change people's processes in the way that they work yeah. so making it easy and accessible to them is one of the things that are always in the forefront of our mind when we're thinking about the features that we implement one thing that i really like about kinga is how easy to use it is and also how fast it is as well mm -hmm. um from a back-end perspective like i've used some other pins in the past that haven't been like that and um yeah it's really easy to use um, another question for me. So in terms of uh, replatforming, so obviously most of what we cover on this podcast is around replatforming. Um, how can Aquino add value to a replatforming budget and kind of reduce certain overheads and generally kind of make data migration easier and more effective? Yeah, sure. So I'd go as far to say that 80% of our current client engagements are as part of a replatforming project. Yeah. Typically that's the catalyst for a client or an organization to get in contact with us. Um, there's, a, there's a few areas of why that's important and why it's becoming now part of their CapEx considerations when, when planning a replatforming project. One of which straight, um, straight away is the reduction and saving in time and resources on the actual e-commerce side, not with the PIM side. So what we found in the analysis that we did with our, our solution partners is if a, an organization has a PIM in place before replatforming to a new e-commerce platform, it would typically save circa 20 days in implementation time. So whether that's with a solution partner or whether you're doing that internal, yeah. that's not an in, insignificant amount of time to, to save. And how, uh, a question I've got around, because um, you touched about like com complexity and also like simpler businesses and, and the benefits of PIM across different organization types. What I'm really keen to, to explore is when you work with brands that, that are basically selling standard manufacturer products, you know, like they might be selling AV and TVs from Samsung, you name it. Do you, are they able to take um, like brand repositories like brand bank stuff and pull product data in? automatically into the PIM. Um, is there a process for that? Yeah, so I mean, this, this is a, a wider architectural um, conversation. It, it can go either way. It can sync into BrandBank or it can take from BrandBank or other data pools out there. Um, it, it, in terms of where the PIM typically sits, is if you imagine on your right-hand side, uh, all of your end sales channels, which could be 
your multiple e-commerce storefronts, um, print catalogs, mobile, social media, whatever that might be. On the left-hand side is your data entry point, which might be your ERP because the business still needs to maintain the SKU creation and maybe the um, pricing management within the ERP. The suppliers will be on the left-hand side. Then the PIM sits in the middle of those two areas. So the PIM would be the overall central enrichment for any product information. So brand bank, yes, it can act as date tree in for retailers. But on the other side of brand bank is obviously the manufacturers and brands that are feeding data in. So depending on the type of organization, brand bank and um, equivalents could be a data in or a data out or both. Okay. Uh, great. So I guess that leans in, leans back to your automation point earlier is that if you're, if you're selling products that, where that data structure already exists, don't try and re-key it. Use the data points to pull that in and speed up your creation of your own SKUs and your own site. Correct. See, so yeah, a, a question I'm really keen to hear um, your views on is what are the typical pain points that retailer, retailers have that they come to you with? Because I think a lot of our listeners like to hear what are other, people, um, other people's challenges. Um, so, you know, what is the thing that they're trying to solve or address um, that the PIM can help them with? Yeah, um, so as I mentioned earlier, the, coup, uh, the two key areas um, that a PIM looks to solve is one is increasing sales. So freeing up um, as much time as possible so people can start to focus on improving the product and customer experience on the website. Um, and the second and more easily identifiable from our clients is the productivity side. So there's a lot of pain that we have, um, or our clients have a lot of pain in terms of getting a product to market. Um, if you think some of our most common customers at the moment, and arguably one of the most aggressive and competitive markets at the moment is fast fashion. If you think about their job in terms of the sheer scale of information, they need to get out very quickly to market because if they're not the first person to launch the new Kim Kardashian or Michelle Keegan style dress, their competitors are going to get the, the land grab on that piece of the market. So speed is key for a lot of our clients of working through that time to market process and creating the product information as quickly as possible. Um, but also reducing errors so that we can make sure the high the data is as high quality as possible on the website. So with the PIM, it's not just about speed. It's around setting parameters to ensure that the data is correct, it's consistent, and it's high quality. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. And, and so many times people struggle with crap data in, and then the impact it has on websites for like, you know, even impacting accuracy of search results. So yeah, the accuracy is a huge thing. Um, the, the other bit that that leads on to is, I know you're talking about efficiency and speed to market. Is part of the automation capability then around workflow, so the ability for for people to be prompted to act in order to get um, things processed through from a from a PIM point of view. Yeah. So on the kind of work workflow side, we find the majority of our kind of um, clients will take advantage of some sort of workflow, whether it be very light or you know kind of take it a step further, where they add a little bit more process to suit their needs. Really. So we see a lot of clients using it for you know anything from just basic validation that the right information's in there, that there's you know what they're expecting to see on the website has been in, um, has been inputted the right way either by an automated process or by people actually doing that enrichment so people use that very commonly all 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 the time 
Where we also see it being used is where people have taken advantage of our onboarder system as well, where suppliers can contribute new products or make changes to information against existing products that they provide to um, our clients. And you can have basically a gateway there to validate new products coming in and also make sure that it's at a sufficient level of quality to kind of make sure that anything they're getting from suppliers is what they expect. And sometimes we see um, some of our clients take it a little bit of a step further. For example, one of our clients, Made.com, has kind of taken advantage of the workflow engine to have some light kind of, kind of um, product lifecycle management kind of workflows in there as well. So taking a product from its kind of idea stage through to becoming a validated product and then publishing it onto their kind of e-commerce channels as well. So lots of different ways to take advantage and we keep it flexible enough to meet the different needs that our clients need from a kind of a workflow engine. That's right. interesting. That, um, yeah, so I think that's a really cool use case, the um, kind of suppliers validating the information you're publishing. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, that makes sense. So another question. So I went to your conference in Paris a few <clears> weeks ago um, and you talked about some of the kind of new features and things you're working on. And one of those things was DAM capabilities. Um, do you want to talk us through that and kind of where that's going to be initially and where you're planning on taking that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think one of the things to keep in mind is we want to stick very close to our roots of PIM and yeah. managing product information. But where we're moving more towards is kind of product experience management, making sure that everything that goes along with that product information is of the same level of quality and can be managed from the same system. So we don't have um, on our roadmap, you know, we aren't um, aspiring to be a DAM provider by any means, but we do find that there are sometimes cases where maybe a client doesn't doesn't quite need a DAM, yeah. but they still need the ability to manage assets in, you know, in one place, really. The feedback we got is that they wanted to take a little bit more advantage of the PIM to kind of manage some of that, be able to add additional information to their products as well. Um, rather than it just being the actual assets themselves, we wanted to add a little bit more SEO information or, a, or additional information to it. And the feedback we also got is where we have clients who are already taking advantage of kind of a DAM system, whether that be a Cloudinary or a Binder or a Tessa, and they wanted to make that more seamlessly integrated with Akinio. So we've done both really, and we actually released first the ability for our partners to integrate more, more kind of closely, so they can take advantage of you know both of those systems at a best of breed, but manage it centrally inside of PIM. So that's basically where we're taking it. So closer integration better performance between the two systems and making it more intuitive and easier to centralize the management of their assets in, 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 inside a PIM environment. That makes sense. Um, one other question that I have, um, which is a bit of a funny one. So obviously, or not obviously, but with Akinia, you have a community version and an enterprise version, mm -hmm. um, and the community version is free, so similar to Magento Open Source and Comet. Yeah. Um, and I've used the community version quite a few times, and it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, how do you find that whole piece and like, what are some of the key differences between community and enterprise? Like, why would someone go enterprise and yeah. Yeah, good question. Um, and I'm sure you can appreciate it's not the first time we've yeah. had that. <laughs> um, in terms of open source, and we, we're very proud of our open source roots, I think there can be a misconception. And so just to clarify, when I'm talking about open source, typically the natural step is to have a community edition like, um, uh, like that of Magento. I think what that gives us is an advantage to be more agile in terms of we have a community of over 3,000 people helping to suggest how to improve the, the platform based on a pragmatic approach of what is the actual business needs rather than ticking a box for new features. What the community edition is there for is the first initial stepping stone into the world of PIM. People are, 
very rarely, because the industry is so new, are people re-platforming on PIMs. This is yeah. going to be their first foray into PIM. And what the community um, uh, open source version of the PIM is there for is, is to be that first step. What it's great at is bringing the data under one roof, starting to get an understanding of the benefits around having one collaborative system that everyone logs into as opposed to disparate spreadsheets or the ERP um, or e-commerce. What we would say though, if you're an organization that not necessarily taking this seriously, that's a poor way for me to phrase it, but if you were looking at an enterprise project, community would more than likely need quite a bit of customization to yeah. meet the needs that you have. I mean, there's no workflow, um, there's no uh, automation, there's no um, data quality insights, which yeah. is a new feature that we've recently launched in terms of the machine actually doing the heavy lifting of telling you the quality of your data in terms of consistency, yeah. spelling errors, completeness, etc. cetera. Um, but also because this is potentially gonna be your first PIM project, regardless of the features, one of the biggest reasons what that we talk to clients about is the support that you'd be getting from Akinio. It's not just in terms of professional services, it's in terms of the allocated team that you receive to hold your hand through that um, project and to make sure you're you're setting it up in the right way. That makes sense. I think with open source as well, it's 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 where we came from and it's built a community around it. They give feedback, they you know they take advantage of those features and we're giving we're solving a problem for people where actually maybe they don't need a fully blown enterprise system. Yeah. The, it's also helped us build kind of momentum, as I said, a community around it. You can't abandon that. It's, it's, it's something you have to continue support and continue working with because they've, they've helped to accelerate us as a business. So we'll always keep it and it'll always be there. And it does help those smaller organizations or ones with a smaller PIM need still be able to take advantage of the Akinio platform without all the other stuff they may not, yeah. may not use. And hopefully what it'll do, it'll, it'll help them become more successful, help them scale their business and then at, at some point they may be able to take advantage of the enterprise features to make them go to the yeah. next stage of their development. Do you find well? a lot of people end up upgrading from community to enterprise to start on community and then upgrade to enterprise? Yes. And that's becoming more frequent Yeah. Um, because they start to realize the benefits of the additional features. Yeah. Uh, continuing that theme of open source, what I'd be interested to hear is do you have um, specific examples where people have extended a Kenya? So whether that is, you know, they've, they've, um, you know, using apps on your marketplace or they've actually taken their own implementation and built on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens all the time, actually. And I think this is kind of a benefit of being an open source business is as, as we've grown and developed and people have added additional capabilities, um, you know, we end up with a marketplace that people can take advantage of as well. And um, there's hundreds of connectors on there and extensions, which can be used for anything for making an integration more seamless with an e-commerce solution, adding just an extra element to the user interface for a very bespoke need um, and anything in between really. So we, we, and we see people take advantage of those um, kind of extensions quite a lot of the time. What we also see is people can change the UI, they can change, you know, fundamentally some of the elements behind the actual um, application to kind of better suit their particular use case. And a couple of examples that come to mind, the first of which is Maya, uh, based in Australia, um, kind, of, kind, of, kind of massive company that work with a lot of different suppliers. And one of the challenges they were having was getting good quality information from the suppliers and measuring that in a kind of a manageable way, really. 
So they were able to enhance the PIM a little bit further so that they could actually get better visibility on the information coming from suppliers, but also grade them as well in like a gold, silver and bronze based approach um, to kind of, you know, advertise internally and externally where, you know, they have good um, relationships with their suppliers. Another one is game in the UK. So what we found with them is that they have one particular product and they have a pre-owned one, a download only one, they have a brand new one. And they were able to do that in the PIM already, but working with um, kind of our implementation partner, they were able to add a more intuitive element to the user interface to make that even easier for them to manage going forward as well. So a couple of examples there, but the benefit is that our clients can add what they want. And it means that Akinia can fit into any of those kind of bespoke business cases that may not be what we're seeing with the majority of our clients. Excellent. Thanks for sharing those examples. Paul, I think you had a question, didn't you, about the type of retailers and brands starting or increasingly using PIMs? Yep, um, absolutely. So some of our clients being good examples, but I've seen a lot more smaller businesses and even pure play, relatively small pure play businesses now using PIM. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think the kind of demand is increasing so much, even at that level of the market? Yeah, I think I think it's a natural progression of the industry. Uh, I think that uh, what we've seen with PIM is typically the larger retailers and brands have adopted the technology first, and naturally the smaller organisations or even the brand new organisations are are seeing the adoption of this technology in the larger enterprise organisations, and their aspirations are to get there. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that a smaller organization let necessarily have less complexity in their product information. So the issues are still there, um, but it is, it is a good sign that we, we're seeing these smaller and newer retailers adopting the, the technology quickly rather than doing it retrospectively and having to try and fix and clean um, a fairly archaic catalog. And for the type of... Um clients that come into you what uh, is it specific platforms that are using where they're looking to use uh, Akinio so is it uh, see Magento I'd expect to be a key one but or are you working across all platforms and do you have um, native connectors for most of them now so um, yes to your your last two points there James so we're, we're completely platform agnostic um, obviously we have a strong history with Magento um, we have a strong um, relationship with Salesforce Commerce Cloud in the sense that we work with um, many of their their largest uh, customers. We're seeing a lot of new projects with big commerce currently, um, especially in the UK. Um, but in terms of the other platforms, Shopify, Commerce Tools, we have connections and relationships with them all. Um, so it's it's a it's a fairly even mixture in terms of who we're working with. Um. With Akinio, so some platforms aren't quite as strong as others around kind of multi-store and international. Um, is that an area where you've seen a lot of demand and is that kind of um, a good use case for Akinio? Yeah, definitely. I think um, it, it's pretty obvious that the business case is arguably more critical if, if you're using one of the platforms that have limitations on the management of multi-store fronts. Um, what we're finding with clients that are using those platforms is their internal teams, what we refer to as the end users. So again, as I've already mentioned, anyone involved in e-commerce or multi-channel, buying and merchandising, etc., is having to go into each one of the instances of that platform and enrich the data separately from each other. Obviously, that's creating a mass duplication across the process. The benefit around PIM 
is you're enriching the data within one central source and the system then does the heavy lifting to syndicate that out to all of the relevant storefronts. So you're enriching the data once rather than multiple times depending on how many storefronts you have. Great, yeah, that makes sense. Cool, I've just, uh, just one last question for me and I'd like to pose an annoying question uh, towards the end. It's just coming back to some of the, the interesting stuff you shared about why people are using PIMS and what the business value is. Because one of the challenges I see when working with smaller businesses is them trying to understand how they get an ROI on an investment when they've got so many other competing things they've got to potentially focus time and resource in and replatform. And this is when they might have a simpler product catalog and they're pretty comfortable with using the e-commerce front end for just putting all their product data into it. And then they're probably doing simple data feeds out to other channels, um, maybe through a data feed provider. Uh, when people are trying to are struggling to understand, well, why would I, and what would the value be? How would you articulate that to people? Yeah, and, and this this is, um, again, a, a common question that we've got, and all of these questions are common because it's it's a relatively new concept um, in the UK. I think, first of all, we, we would never ram uh, this down anyone's throat. If they're happy with the way that they're, they're working and getting the results that they want, um, then carry on as is. What we would say is to talk about the potential, uh, the potential for growth and potential to eradicate some of the issues that are currently happening within the business. So, for example, um, if we speak with large retailers like Kurt Geiger, we've increased their productivity, um, in turn reducing their time to market by 80%. We've got some clients that are on the smaller side, or, and uh, to be fair, in the, on the larger side, that have done the internal analysis on how much each product is costing to enrich in terms of the overheads of the internal resources. The average of, the way, um, of how much we're reducing that is £5 per product down to £1, which again is a significant saving. What, what we would uh, implore people to do is just have a look into PIM with an open mind um, because uh, the analysts and myself have no doubt that this will become every industry's norm um, within a few years. It's following the exact same trajectory that, that CRM did 10 years ago. Um, and the reason being is it's chalk and cheese compared to the, uh, the speed, the ease, um, and the effectiveness of creating product information as opposed to trying to manage that in spreadsheets on the ERP or in your e-commerce front end. Cool. Yeah, that makes, I, I think the productivity bit is, is the bit that often people don't think about. It's the, the time and cost and opportunity cost of how uh, yeah, everybody who's involved in, in product creation, enrichment, um, management, etc. So yeah, I think that's that's an interesting insight for people to take away. Um, that's cool. That's uh, that's covered all the key questions I wanted to, to go through. Paul, is there any more from your side? No, I don't think so. I think you've covered a lot, and um, yeah, some really good stuff here. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else from me. Amazing. So I, I guess back to you, gents. Is if people were interested in learning more um, from a practical point of view about PIM, how it works, what the key features are, and how it could benefit their organizations what follow-up reading could they have from you guys or what what contact details could you share if people wanted to learn more yeah sure so i mean firstly obviously with the the topic of the podcast we fairly recently launched a white paper on replatforming um it, it, it's on um akinio.com on our blog 
the information on the website so there's a new idc report that i would uh, recommend people using because obviously the information isn't just around the quinoa it's given you a um a, a neutral stance on how everyone within the pim industry um uh, are working and what they're working towards but the replatforming one is probably the most relevant now it does focus specifically on a replatform from Magento 1 to Magento 2, because of course that's a, a topic that's extremely prevalent this year. But the theory is the same. Regardless of which platform you're replatforming from and to, um, the premise of what needs to be done and how a PIM can affect that um, is the same. So uh, I'd advise people go onto our website, uh, akinio.com. Of course, they can reach out to me directly, which is james.barlow at akinio.com if there's any questions or if they're interested in talking. Um, and yeah, that's really it from us. Okay, that's, that's great. And um, for anyone listening, um, all of these uh, uh, podcasts are available on our website, replatform.fm. In the post, we'll put a link to that uh, case study and we'll also uh, confirm James's contact details there as well so thanks as always to everyone for listening we hope you found this useful and interesting insight into the world of pim and replatforming any questions as always please do follow up myself or paul um, and james um, from akinio and keep your ears peeled for the next uh, exciting episode <laughs>